Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bitches, Witches, and Queers, a podcast dedicated to those who have left religion behind and are now seeking to rebuild their lives through self-exploration, play, and spirituality. I, your host, Christina Carlson, am an embodiment and intuition coach. I work with bitches, witches, and queers to discover their own worth and value and learn how to trust themselves to create the lives they want. I'm an experimenter by nature, so this podcast, like my life, is an offering in flux. What you find here will be diverse and, hopefully, interesting. One thing you can know for sure is that we will get good and curious here. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I wanted to take a minute to introduce our guest today, Delzy. Delzy is a proud queer woman and the founding director of Unicorns. Over the last 10 plus years, she has been working to uplift, support, and celebrate members of the LGBTQIA community through the creation of late night events, workshops, social and supporting support events, and dating nights. Delzy is a qualified teacher, trainer, coach, and celebrant who emerges who merges her work with the LGBTQIA community with her love of education to deliver workshops on everything from LGBTQIA inclusion to queer cross-stitch. <laughs> her work also spans across the LGBTQIA youth sector. She was the creator of the queer youth radio show, Unicorn Youth, and previously worked with the LGBTQIA youth organizations such as Minus 18, Rainbow Network, Joy 94.9, and Safe Schools. Delzy was recognized for her contribution to the LGBTQIA community in Australia when she was nominated as a finalist for the Globe LGBTI Person of the Year Award and when named as one of the top 50 LGBTI leaders in Australia, according to Google and Deloitte in 2021. In 2022, she won the BICA Beautiful You Coaching Academy Award for Best Event slash Program for her original workshop series titled Happiness Hacks. Welcome, Delsey. Hello, and welcome back to Bitches, Witches, and Queers. It's your host, Christina Carlson, and today I have with me Delsey. Hi, Delsey. Hi. So excited to have you on today to talk about your life. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Um, I have so many questions, um, but I do want to start with like, how do you like, because I know a little bit about your business, but, um, (laughs) there's so many things that different people call themselves, right? Like boss babe and like business owner and entrepreneur and on your, your Instagram title, it says femme queer fairy and mum. And I'm wondering what you identify as. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that is a very good question. Um, yeah, and I, I think I just use uh, different titles depending on the context. But like, I am, I suppose, boss each of something called unicorns, um, a cute little LGBTQI plus little business I started in Australia ten years ago. But like, when I'm introducing myself, I usually say, "Hey, I'm Delcy. I'm a proud femme, queer, multi-gendered, attracted human." Um, it's usually how I intro it, but if I'm talking about work, I say I own something called unicorns and I like to work hard to, um, try and raise the inclusion and accessibility of spaces for LGBTQIA plus people. It's a mouthful, but kind of gets it across the multitude of things I like to work on. I love it. I like, I like the way you say it. It seems to flow. 
<laughs> yeah, but it is it is hard to explain what you do when you work across like a few different fields. But I think like sure. the overarching umbrella is like an LGBTQI plus inclusion specialist is what I'm rolling with at the moment. Specialist, I like that. <laughs> I decided that you know, there's never a point where you could you know I am now a specialist. You just got to give yourself that title when you feel ready. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, who gives someone that title? Yeah, like no one goes around and goes, you are now a specialist. <laughs> I think of I think of like the um I don't know if y'all have in Australia, there's like the JD Power Awards. It's like a car thing. And okay. they advertise it on commercials. And to be honest, like I have no idea what it means. Most people have no idea what it means. It's like a non-thing. It's just if you they say they have these awards and it's like you gave those to yourself. Like we don't know about these awards. I think that's like what a specialist. You just give yourself an award. Like, yeah, yeah. No one else is going to hand you that cute little title. Nope. (laughs) Absolutely. So obviously you didn't um, just arrive at this spot. I'm curious what um, about your journey leading up to this? Like, what were you like as a kid? Hmm. Um, I was actually thinking about this yesterday in the context of like how the stuff you do as a kid often becomes sometimes the stuff you do as an adult. Yeah. Um, um, when I was younger, I was, like, obsessed about a few different things. I used to really enjoy being a teacher and I would get my little brother to play schools with me and if he was absent, I would mark him as absent <laughs> and then give him extra maths homework. But I would write out this homework, like I'd write math questions, get him to do it, and then I'd mark it. And I thought that was a really fun activity that I had to talk him into playing. That was one of my things. But I was really into like art and craft, but also acting. I started going to drama school when I was about eight. Um, mm-hmm. I was really passionate about like theatre. And then I did dancing and singing and all that kind of stuff. But I was actually pretty quiet and very like well-behaved. I was mm. like... The, you know, they'd call them, well, my report card would always be like, Adele, it's a pleasure to teach, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, so through primary school I was an angel and very into like the performing arts but very kind of quiet and well-behaved. But when I was in high school I became a bit naughty. <laughs> <laughs> T- tell me about that. <laughs> um, it was probably about 15 when I started kind of like acting out, like doing all the things that naughty kids do. And I started getting really interested in like dance party culture um, and going to parties and raves and that kind of thing. And then, you know, definitely had a fake ID and was partaking in that lifestyle. But um, yeah, I became really enthusiastic about parties. And I suppose that's what led me to eventually running my own party because I loved, I loved dance music and I love the culture of like underground parties, you know, illegal parties, techno, but they weren't always like the safest spaces um, and they definitely weren't welcoming to anyone who was queer. Like I grew up in a place called Canberra. Um, It's the capital city of Australia, but it's pretty small and it's kind of pretty conservative. And as someone who's like a little bit like colourful or even being like a femme woman and being queer, there just wasn't anyone in Canberra that was like that during that time. Like I never met any gay people that weren't just cisgendered white men. So, you know, I found this, this like space that I enjoyed and I loved, you know, the art and the music, but there weren't people like me and I didn't feel safe to be who I was. 
and when I was 18 I started working at the bar of like kind of like a blackout rave club where I had to dress as a nurse and like was not like a cute culture but once again I loved like the vibe and the music um but yeah after I left Canberra I wanted to be able to give people that experience of like the enjoyment of dance parties but make them safe and accessible mm. and I ended up working in like mainstream kind of events running things called something called Jurassic Lounge which is a music and art night and like all these cool things but they weren't for the LGBTI community. And so on weekends, like me and my friends didn't really have anywhere to go where we felt like safe and seen and celebrated. So I was like, why am I running this party for straight hipsters? And that's when I started um, making what's called unicorns. That's incredible. It sounds like, I mean, I had a question about your through line, but it sounds like you have a pretty consistent thread of what you enjoy in life and are now doing. Yeah, like that's kind of how it started, but Unicorns has definitely evolved. Like it started as just like a dance party which had performance art and activities, but since then I've run like queer fitness groups because I really enjoy working out and I didn't have any queer groups in my area that did that, so I started that. I wanted dating events because I wanted to go to a dating event, but there was no way you could go where you could date all genders and, you know, mm-hmm. trans and non-binary people even felt welcome. Mm-hmm. So I then invented that. And then friendship making nights because as queers, it's going to be hard to make friends. And then a festival and now workshops. So now I do like art and craft workshops. So we just have a place to chill out, which is away from like drugs and alcohol and nightlife where we can like, you know, stimulate our mind, learn new things, but also connect with other people. And for some of us that had, you know, really shitty times at school, it's a chance to kind of reclaim an education space as well and create like positive associations about learning. So it started as a dance party, which has been a passion of mine for a very long time, but I'm also really passionate about education, fitness, like all these other things, dating, very passionate about dating. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of evolved as like there's things that I've wanted to do in life, haven't been able to find them. So I'm like, oh, better invent it. <laughs> I I, I want to say I deeply admire that mentality. Um and, and also note that that's not, that's not common. Like, um, that takes, that takes a lot of fortitude and self-trust. So I'm curious, like, are you, were you naturally this way? Were you, what, what gave you this ability to just have that self-trust or how did you develop that? Yeah, that's a good question. And like, I've done one of those tests about like, you know, your personality and your strengths and bravery is my number one. And I am shocked at that because as a young person, I was so timid and so scared and like, so anxious. Like I would have had panic disorder from as far back as I can remember, like where I would have panic attacks before I go to bed. And I still have an anxiety disorder. So I'm a very anxious person. And so I, sometimes I don't know where it comes from or having like the confidence to kind of back myself. But, um, I think it's just from doing a lot of like work on myself, like without going into too much detail, I had a lot of trauma from a young age, but then I did a lot of work. Like I was in therapy from 18 to, you know, now I'm 35. So I think maybe working through some of that, I've also just been really focused on like what I wanted to do with my life. And like, I think because I had a hard time growing up, you know, in relation to my queerness and some that wasn't, I've then just always thought about other people in my community who are experiencing like isolation, loneliness, trauma, and like 
what I could do to support them. And I suppose the things I wish I had, like even when I was coming out, I wish there was a space that like welcomed me and said like we want you to be here and you're celebrated. So I, I want to give that to other people. And with the education and the workshops, I think there's a lot of like, oh, I wish I had this or this would have been really beneficial to me, so I want to give it to other people. Um, so I think I always just think about not like, oh, this is really scary or this is risky or this might flop, but more like I wish this existed or this is going to be powerful for at least one person. Mm-hmm. So it's worthwhile doing. I suppose, yeah, I think about the impact it has on someone rather than like, oh, my God, no one could come and this could fail or, <laughs> yeah, the vulnerability of like putting out a new idea and it not being met with enthusiasm, which does play on my mind, but I try to override it with this could help one person, this could be cool for one person, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like you have a focus on service and that you really care about the people you're working with. Yeah, like the bottom line for me is always what's the best thing for the community, what's going to help some people, a group of people, lots of people. That's always like the front of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Along with how can I make this as accessible as I possibly can, as inclusive as I can. Like no one will ever be 100% inclusive, but what can I do to try and serve as many people who don't usually have access to stuff like this? Yeah. I'm I'm curious, like, um, this is inc- incredibly beautiful. And I mean, I've heard about your work through Beautiful You and have just been so, um, I mean, inspired is a good word too, but it felt, uh, it almost brought me to tears knowing that there's people in the world making things like this, that you exist essentially. And, um, but I'm I'm curious, like, because everything that we we build that we want to last is um, needs to be regenerative, and so I'm curious how how your work gives back to you um, mm. in in that relationship. Yeah, that's a tricky one, and something I have kind of like pondered and ebbed and flow about how long I can sustain this. Um, I went through like a pretty tough court case as a result of my work a few years ago, where I was getting defamed publicly as people were saying some horrific things about me during um, we had a marriage equality vote where Australia got to vote whether marriage equality should happen in Australia. And during that time, there was a lot of like anti LGBTQI plus people being given a voice and being able to campaign against marriage equality. Um, And during that time, some of those campaigners found the work that I did. Um, I've done a lot of work to support queer youth as well as adults. So I had a radio show for queer kids. I ran underage queer youth parties and events. Um, I was a high school teacher. So I did a bunch of things for youth and adults and they essentially were quite mad about that, I'd say, and they started to publicly defame me. And that took a big toll on my mental health. And during that time I did stop working um, for the community for the most part. I was working for a mental health um, telephone counselling service for queer people as the coordinator. I was working for queer youth at Australia's largest queer youth charity and I had my radio show and I did quit everything during that time because these people were also targeting those organisations and those people I was working with. So um, I wouldn't, I can't stand here and say, you know, the work has never taken a toll on me and my own mental health. Um, 
that was a pretty tough time. I did end up taking that person to court and winning the case. So it's like a huge win for LGBTQI plus people in Australia to win a defamation case like that. So it had a great outcome, but that probably still takes a toll on my life. Um, like because I was getting harassed online, heaps of people had access to me. So, you know, every time my phone beeped, I was scared someone was sending me a hate message or, mm. you know, a death threat or, you know, insulting me in a multitude of ways. So I still have like, um, you know, reoccurring anxiety as a result of like some of the ways I've been impacted from people as a result of the work that I'm doing. So, mm. you know, there's a big part of the work that is beautiful and like when I'm at events and I see, you know, 1200 queer people having like this euphoric experience, you know, meeting new people, having a beautiful time. Like my heart is so full. And I think, you know, this is, you know, one of the greatest meetings of my life. Um, but on the flip side of that, it's caused me a lot of heartache to feel the hate from people for the work that I do, which was really unexpected. Mm-hmm. So to kind of, I don't know, yeah, to answer your question, like it, the work does give back to me and that I see the joy and I get to connect with so many people I would never have met and hear their stories and hear the impact of being seen and celebrated and finding like-minded people and eliminating some of the isolation and loneliness they had in their lives and, you know, finding love and relationships and all these beautiful things through these spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time being like the face of something that is progressive and pushing boundaries and, you know, really fighting to say, you know, it's not only okay for us to be queer, like it's bloody beautiful and we're celebrating this. That has been hard and, like, I don't know exactly how at the moment or maybe we'll never work it out how to work in that space and totally, like, you know, maintain really strong mental health. It It is a bit of a struggle and I think it is for like lots of people who are pushing boundaries within any kind of like progressive space. Yeah. 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 Leader or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, there are levels of oppression that so many of us live under, but you are, you are in direct contact with that far more regularly than the average person as the face of something. Yeah, definitely, like, at times, yeah. Like, right now, a lot. It's a lot easier because we've been in lockdown. I haven't really been running events. Um, What I've been doing is pretty low-key. So it has been kind of nice in a way to have that kind of break and just kind of, like, slip into, like, normality of, like, yeah, not being fearful of that stuff. Um, But there was definitely, like, a two-year period where it was, like, not good but yeah you know hello loves it's me christina i wanted to interrupt this episode to talk to you briefly about my one-on-one rebuilding coaching series this 12-week series is designed to transform the way you show up in your life um, to help you discover your next step and support you to move confidently into it we work on inner critic dialogue confidence and trusting yourself to make decisions I like to look at life as a series of endings and beginnings. There's so many of those in our lives. And I think this space is where the greatest transformation takes place. And whether you've already gone through a change or feeling like there's a change around the corner or just really feel like something is missing, 
these spaces are great for asking, what do I want now and what is possible for me now? If you're really longing to live freely and trust yourself to move through life with confidence, this series is for you. My clients call this series transformative, empowering, and inspiring, and they often report after the series they feel confidence to say no, trust their worth, in touch with their bodies, and in tune with their instincts. This is a powerful container and can have huge long-term impacts on your life and well-being. You can learn more by visiting my website at www.christinamcarlson.com, also listed in the show notes, um, and that's where you can learn more about working with me. Thanks for your time. Now back to the show. How do you, how do you support yourself and how have you supported yourself through this process? Um, like during that time, like a lot of like mental health support and there was like some really good services here where I live in Melbourne where you could access free queer mental health support. And there was a place called Drummond Street, which really was really supportive for me during that time, gave me lots of nice free counseling sessions. Um, but now I think I am way better at self-care than what I was before. Like now I have like morning rituals that I know if I stick to, like I'll feel more resilient throughout the day and more positive and have more energy. So like I always wake up, make my bed, feed my cat, go to the gym, come back, meditate, do a teeny bit of cleaning. And if I do that in that cute little order, I know I go into the day feeling a lot stronger and I have a cute nighttime little ritual of like journaling. I do a gratitude. I read a couple of pages of like something positive and then like some breathing exercises and go to bed. And like, I know if I do some certain things in my life, yeah, I do feel, yeah, stronger, more resilient, happier. Um, yeah. And more grounded throughout the day to make like good decisions. Yeah. I love that you're calling your morning and nighttime routines cute because in the background I can see your My Little Pony unicorn. <laughs> I have a very extensive My Little Pony collection. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I, I grew up loving them. I, I have a box in my attic that I look at fairly regularly. There's like 40 of them. <laughs> oh, wow. That's so good. Yeah. Love them. Them and I have a cutie baby. I don't know if you know cutie babies. Uh-oh. They're like these cute little babies with hats that are oh. on their head. They're vegetables, different vegetables. That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. So I want, I was, um, I think you've told me before, but I would love to hear your, um, love to hear you tell my audience about uh, the name unicorns. Yeah. Yeah. So people always ask me like, how did unicorns come about? Um, is it about wearing a dildo on your head or, you know, wanting to have a threesome or there's heaps of like interesting ideas that people have, but, um, it actually came about because when I was quite young, I believed that there was a guy in the moon called Bruno who invented unicorns. And if you're really well behaved, he would send one to you. Um, and I genuinely thought at nighttime, this unicorn would come into my life and it never did. Then my brothers, who I must have told them about my imaginary friend Bruno, came into my room and they told me they were going to hurt Bruno and had these invisible bow and arrows and they pretended to shoot at the moon and Bruno disappeared. So I never got a unicorn. So when I was sitting around in a bar with my friends brainstorming, like, you know, I want to do this event. What should we call it? I think initially I wanted to call it the lair, which now looking back has like nothing to do with what unicorns are about. I don't even know what I that. But they didn't like that idea. And we were 
throwing around ideas. I remember one friend, um, Gabe, said, flick the bean. We didn't go with that either, thank God, because that's also it has nothing to do with the vibe. <laughs> but I then, yeah, decided that, you know, unicorns, because I always wanted to have a unicorn in my life. It didn't happen, so why don't I gift this to myself and um, create this, like, magical space that's, you know, everything we've ever wanted a queer space to be. Um, and then it just kind of stuck. And I think it was from the first one, people just started wearing unicorn horns. Mm. And then that kind of became a bit of like a uniform where, you know, people would come in unicorn horns. And it was so beautiful to think, oh, it's what I always wanted in my life. And now there's a sea of queers all as a unicorn. How special. But so- I think it just like symbolizes like unicorns are such a specially special, sparkly, like unique, beautiful being. And like that's who we are as queer people. We're like, so special and wonderful and like it's that everyone is a unicorn like it's a celebration of you're all special unicorns kind of feeling not a space for unicorn hunters I have to field quite a few of those messages (laughs) weekly about this is not a place to hunt for unicorns (laughs) you have unicorn hunters in America I don't know what that means oh okay so a unicorn hunter maybe it's an Australian thing is when you've got a couple that's hunting for um like a woman who's happy to have a threesome with them but doesn't really want any like emotional support yeah um or doesn't want to be part of the relationship so they're to spice up your sex life okay i know i know what that concept is i've just never heard it called that okay unicorn hunting yeah um how how incredibly beautiful that like the core of that concept that you you are giving everything that you wanted and were hoping for and wished could be there to your community. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. It's really nice. And I think I say this often, but I do still be feel surprised how many people show up and how many people kind of felt like there wasn't a space for me um, before. And like, I think there were pockets of, well, I know there were pockets of more like queer spaces, like in Australia. I know of like a couple now that existed, um, one of which is called Kooky, and I still go there and it's amazing. I think it was going since the 90s and it was very like inclusive, diverse queer space, but it only popped up a couple of times a year and can be hard to get tickets. Um, but then otherwise you've got a lot of like cis gay spaces and they're just yeah, it wasn't a lot for the rest of us. Um, so, yeah, I still feel, like, so excited and happy when I see, like, this sea of queer people that are also, like, come up and tell me, I didn't really know this existed or I didn't really feel comfortable partying or, you know, going to fitness or dating events or whatever until this existed. It makes me happy, but it also makes me feel like more of this needs to exist. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really does. I... I can tell you, like, we were, um, my friends and I recently went on a trip and, um, we went to like the heart of America. So we were, we were, you know, dreaming that we would find (laughs) a space to dance. And we did, we did end up finding a space, but, um, through friends on Instagram, we ended up finding somewhere to go that was like pretty inclusive and was pretty like fairly welcoming. There was a very diverse crowd. Um, so it included some unicorn hunters as you call them um (laughs) but but it is it's such a special feeling when you 
when you look around and you see people that you know are, there's just this level of safety of just, it's safe to be me here. And mm-hmm. it's such a unique and beautiful thing. For sure. And I feel like it has such a ripple effect on our lives. Like you have a, a beautiful night where you feel seen and heard and celebrated. Like you can be wholeheartedly yourself. And that's a great eight hours. But I do feel like it has a ripple effect. Like the next day you go into life a little bit different or the next week you carry yourself with a bit more confidence or you've made those connections that you're staying connected to for months after who you're talking to and hanging out with and checking in with and maybe dating. And like, I feel like, yeah, it's like, I feel like it's hard to explain to people who don't, you know, enjoy this kind of thing. But I feel like it's more than a party. It's more than an event. Like I do feel like spaces like this can really change a person's life. Um, And I think, yeah, the central thing is being celebrated for who you are, being able to come exactly who you are and then finding community. And I think that's just huge. And we know like loneliness and isolation is such, you know, a detriment to our mental health that, yeah, finding people and connecting with them like you is just such a powerful way to make change um, within your life and the people around you. Yeah. But, yeah, it's hard to explain. And I think that's why when people go, oh, do you run parties for a living? I'm like, yeah, kind of. But, like, it's hard to explain, but it's not just a party. <laughs> It'll change your life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Space, it probably will change your life. Yeah. I, I love I love hearing you say this. It just, it, it lights me up because um, I didn't grow up going to parties. Um, I started partying as I call it, um, maybe like seven years ago, I I figured out that people could dance in nightclubs. And I was like, what have I been doing my whole life missing out on this? Um, and for me, it's always, it's always been that, um, because I've always gone with people who made me feel safe enough and like just finding more and more freedom in that space. Like the different spaces, you could start to feel the different energy of where you were at, depending on where you were. And like, finding finding my own queerness was a part of dance and a part of a night like you're talking about a part of meeting people in a space that was inclusive and realizing that it was safe to be me like the that kind of that kind of stuff definitely changes lives Mm. do you have many queer spaces where you live um there's a few there's there's a there's a tight-knit queer community there's um I would say like three places that I like three bars that are fairly inclusive. One specifically is probably the safest, but um, it is the Midwest of the United States. So there's, there's a lot more like gay straight guy bars type vibe than there is like just straight queer joy. Um, (laughs) But it's, um, the spaces like the spaces that I found like within that and going with the people that I feel safe with and like the people that I've met through that have been, have been incredible, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to ask you. Oh, um, one final question for you, Delcy. Um, if you could go back and tell yourself something to help support you through the trial that you were talking about, 
and maybe even before before your business began, what would you tell yourself about the course of your business to help sustain you? <laughs> that is a hard one. <laughs> what would I tell myself? I'm trying to remember what I was like before this. <laughs> before the pandemic, before. <laughs> Before I started Unicorns, I was an event manager, a very stressed one, and I was living in Sydney. And I was only just working out my queerness. Um, yeah, it was like interesting time because I think I was trying to conform to what a lesbian was in Sydney during that time, which was like, I don't know if you ever had experienced this, but like coming out because I didn't see any like femme, pansexual, queer people, I felt like I needed to really look like a lesbian um, to be read as queer and to meet community or meet a partner or whatever, make friends. So I, like, cut off all my hair, wore a flannelette shirt, like, got my nose pierced, like, did all the things that I thought, oh, now I'm a lesbian, like, now I'm read as a lesbian. Um, it was only when I started Unicorns that I felt like I could really evolve and start to, like, you know, dress like I really wanted to and express myself and, you know, wear even more lipstick and that kind of thing. Um, so I suppose I would tell that person that, like, um, like by celebrating yourself and being wholeheartedly who you are, it's going to inspire and give confidence to other people to be who they are also and like you're going to be happier and it's going to be beneficial to community to see that representation because that is something I hear quite often now is like femme queer people saying like it's it's powerful to see a femme queer person on stage celebrating themselves or someone openly talking about being multi-gendered attracted or taking a partner to the event when maybe it makes them look like they could pass as heterosexual but celebrating that because I know a lot of people still feel like biphobia in queer spaces or queer invisibility and like by being strong in who I am, it's going to empower other people to feel the same and it's also going to help them feel less isolated in their experiences. So I suppose I'd tell my little little Delzy um, who you are is amazing, feel confident in that, and that's going to be really inspiring and it's going to help inform the work that you're going to do. Yeah. It, it, it like, it is the work that you're doing. Like, yeah. Like, you you are, like, it's it's so beautiful just, like, hearing you talk about what you've created and who you are is, like, you are not what you created, obviously, but you is all over that. Like even the, the name unicorns, the you becoming more of yourself is what makes life and the world and your work better. Mm. And that's, that's what's spreading. Yeah. And it's interesting because maybe the first five years of unicorns, my name was nowhere on it. No pictures of me. My name was nowhere because I was a high school teacher in the Catholic school system. <laughs> you were in the Catholic school system? I should have led with that with your background. <laughs> in, uh, I thought you would find that interesting. But, yeah, I had to go in the closet because you can get fired mm -hmm. being gay. So yeah. um, I ran these parties in the school holidays. Um, of, so when I was having a break from being a teacher, I'd, I'd run them sometimes. So I 
didn't want to attach my name to anything. Um, you, you question your bravery? <laughs> true, that was brave. I don't know sometimes if I'm like silly or brave or I don't think things through. Um, but yeah, so I feel like as I've stepped into and like taken ownership of kind of unicorns in a public way, I've met some like hardship. But I think my confidence has also really improved. Like um, I'm feeling more sure of myself now than I have in a really long time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it helps when your work is in alignment with you proudly being who you are. 1,000%. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking this time. No worries. Thank you. Exciting to speak to you on the other side of the world. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add about your work or where people can find you? I'll link in the show notes, any information you send me. Mm, No, but if anyone wants to give me recommendations of queer places to visit when in America, like I'm all for it. I've been there a couple of times and I've struggled to find places where there were not just the cis gay men. So hit me up, give me recommendations. All underground. (laughs) (laughs) Send me. Send me the secret info. Yes. (laughs) Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you all for joining me today. If you are wanting one-on-one support to help you step into trusting yourself, seeing your own magic, and building the life that you want, you can contact me on my website. The website is below in the show notes. I hope you all have a bitchin' day.